hear the scripture this morning. I know if you've seen the bulletin, you've noticed that there are three scriptures. This sermon is about a process, and I will be reading all three scriptures, but the two additional scriptures will be later in the sermon. So we're going to start with Matthew chapter 13 this morning. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then Jesus goes on to explain this parable. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now this sermon is a process, so I'm going to ask you if you just hang with me as we work our way through three different scriptures. When I grew up, I grew up out in the country, way out in the country. I was 12 miles from the nearest town of any size, and then you couldn't necessarily say that it was a town of much size, but it was a wonderful place and way to grow up, surrounded by family. Many of my family members were farmers. They grew cotton, they grew soybeans, they grew winter wheat. And nearly everyone in my family had a garden, large garden, big garden. And the whole point was to have fresh food during the summer, but to also be able to feed the family during the winter. So gardening was incredibly important. And if you've ever had your own garden, maybe you can remember what that first tomato that you picked and brought in and sliced taste like. Maybe you can remember what that bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich with a fresh tomato tastes like. Maybe you can remember what it was like to go out into the garden and pull corn and bring it in and shuck it and, and cook it. It was so fresh and so sweet and so good. I just want to do a quick shout out to the ladies and the folks who work at the Mulberry Outreach Garden. What a wonderful thing to grow produce, to put to make available to people who don't have a way to do that themselves so that they too can have fresh produce and healthy food. Thank you folks for all your work there. So I grew up surrounded by farmers. I grew up with family members who had gardens. I enjoy working in the garden. 
most of what comes with working in the garden. I enjoy planting things. It's so much fun. You put a row of seeds here, and in just a few days, you see the little tiny fresh leaves poking up through the soil, and, and you feel like you've accomplished something because there's new life springing up. I enjoy harvesting what has been grown. Now, I will admit, picking peas is probably not my favorite thing to do, but usually when we did that as I was growing up, we had family members with us, so there were lots of people, and there was interaction, there was conversation in the garden. And then to sit on a front porch and snap beans or shell butter beans or shell peas or shuck corn with your family as you did it together, doing large quantities so that there could be some for now and there could be some prepared for later. I really did enjoy that. There was one thing about farming that I did not enjoy. And I will tell you right now, my parents are watching these sermons from North Georgia, and when they get to this point, both of them are going to say, Amen. I did not like to hoe. Don't give me a hoe. Now, I often got handed a hoe and told I had certain rows in the garden that I had to hoe before Mama and Daddy got home from work that day. But, oh, I hated it. Trying to figure out what the, the real plant was versus the weeds and trying to do it in the middle of the hot summer sun beating down because you know good and well a teenager, I'm not going to get up and get out early to do anything like that. I hated to hoe. But what would happen if we had a garden that went untended? What would happen if we had a garden that the weeds were allowed to grow unchecked? We wouldn't have a harvest. The weeds would take the nourishment out of the ground, the weeds would take the moisture out of the ground, and the plants that were there that we had planted to try to produce a harvest would not be able to produce much of a harvest because they didn't have, they wouldn't have what they needed to be able to do that. Jesus spoke in parables. A parable was a story told using something familiar and comparing it to something unfamiliar to make a spiritual point. Jesus talked about farming, sowing seed, scattering seed, putting it out there. He was talking to people who farmed. They raised their own food. They knew what the rocky soil of northern Israel was like. They knew how hard it was to clear even a small area of land of rocks so that they could actually grow a harvest. They knew what it was like to scatter seed and discover that a portion of their seed was actually weed instead of crop. They knew all of these things, so when he began to talk about farming, he was talking about something that was very familiar to them, and they would have listened. They also knew the Old Testament references to God scattering seeds of righteousness, and the harvest would be the redemption of Israel. So they knew this from a personal standpoint, and they also knew it from a spiritual standpoint. And Jesus is telling them, I really want you to think about this again. I want you to hear what I'm saying, and I want you to, to wrestle with these words. I'm not going to make it easy. I want you to really consider what I'm saying to you, so that as you consider what I'm saying, you take it in and make it a part of who you are, a part of your faith journey. 
So Jesus has shared this parable of the farmers, and often we hear this, a sermon preached about this parable from the perspective of the sower. We are called to be the good sower. We are called to be the faithful sower. We are called to be the person who scatters the seeds of faith without worrying so much about where they land. I've even preached sermons like that. We're called sometimes to consider the state of our lives. Are we rocky right now? Are we weedy right now? Do we have a hard heart that won't let anything get in? Or do we have a heart that is receptive and prepared for someone who will come into our lives and sow seeds of truth and sow seeds of righteousness? This morning, I want us to consider this story from a slightly different perspective. I want us to consider this story from the perspective of which type of soil we are, but not just from the perspective of which type of soil we are right now, but which type of soil we want to be, because we can choose the type of soil we want to be if we're willing to work and develop that soil. We get to choose whether we're rocky soil or whether we're the hard path or whether we're the, the soil that produces a harvest. Now, I want you to remember last week's sermon, I talked about, I asked you, are you carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders? Why don't you let Jesus help you with that yoke? with that burden. When we think about rocky soil, and we think about the, the thorns and the thistles that grow up, the weeds that grow up, those represent the things of the world that keep us from being good soil, receptive soil, that keep us from having a receptive heart. Those are the things that, that will choke out the life in us if we give them a chance. As I shared last week, Jesus will help us with that if we will let him help carry that yoke. But we have some responsibility and some work to do, do to, to do also. If we choose to be good soil, and I say this recognizing that most of you watching this this morning are not so much rocky soil, maybe not even weedy soil, you're joining in on, in online worship. No one is taking attendance. No one is noticing whether you're here or not. So you're already, just in your participation this morning, expressing the fact that you want to be good soil, that you want to be receptive soil. You want to be a place where the seeds of truth can grow and a harvest can be produced. There's a process for becoming that kind of good soil. And that's where the next scripture comes in. The next scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, to put that in more normal terms, if you will, those who live according to the world have their minds set on things of the world. And those who live according to God have their minds set on the things of God. 
we become the best kind of soil, the kind of soil that produces an excellent harvest when we set our minds on the things of God and keep our minds there. We don't become good, receptive soil that produces a harvest if we think that praying is saying a quick blessing over a meal. We don't become good, receptive soil if we think that coming to church occasionally is enough, because it's not. We don't become good, receptive soil. We don't become faithful disciples of Jesus Christ if we only pick our Bible up every once in a while and just let it flip open to wherever. And then we read a verse or two and we close it and and we check that off. Oh, I've done that for the day. We don't become good soil like that. We don't become good soil that produces a harvest if prayer is a last resort for us. If we do everything we can to resolve a problem and we finally go to God in prayer because we just can't figure out what to do ourselves. Those are the ways of the world. And when we behave like that, We have our mind set on the things of the world. When we set our mind on the things of God, we have our minds set on regular reading of Scripture, regular reading and understanding of Scripture, regular participation in a group that helps us discuss Scripture, that helps us wrestle with Scripture, that helps us figure out what it means for our lives today. We set our minds on things of God when we spend time in prayer every day, and not just a minute, not just a couple of minutes, not that we're going to say, good morning, God, here's my list for the day, thank you for listening, but when we say, good morning, God, I need your help with these things for today, and then we sit and listen to what God would have to say to us about how to go through the day. We set our minds on the things of God when we participate in worship, whether it's online, whether it's in person. One of the benefits that I've experienced with online worship is that I could go to lots of churches in one day. I could watch a lot of sermons in one day. I have a friend who looked at her husband recently and said, we've watched five church services today. I think that's enough. But the opportunity to hear the Word of God preached and the stories of God told multiple times during the day, even during the week, what a blessing that is. These are the things that we need to fix our minds on so that we become the receptive soil, so that when the soil, when the seed of truth is sown in our lives, we produce a harvest that reaches out and spreads out, that we can scatter all around us, to everybody around us. Now, if you're like me, sometimes the rocky soil seems to just creep back in. Sometimes you just look around and all of a sudden there are rocks here. Where did they come from? Sometimes you look around and the weeds are are up to here. And you're thinking, I thought I was maintaining my spiritual garden. Where did these weeds come from? How did I fail? Well, we have a process too. And when we fail, God helps us in that. Hear now the words from Hebrews. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. 
For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. I don't know if you're a fan of music. I am. I have a very eclectic taste in music, and one of the artists that I enjoy listening to is Bobby McFerrin. If you remember that name, you may associate it with a song that was popular a long time back called Don't Worry, Be Happy, sort of the precursor to the happy song that came out uh, a few years back. Bobby McFerrin had a group that he called the Voicestra. With the exception of the thunder that was in one of the pieces that they sang, every sound made by the Voicestra was made by the human body whether it was voice or, or someone drumming on their stomach or stomping a foot, something. Every sound was made by humans. One of the songs on one of his albums was entitled Discipline, and it was a song taken from this passage in Hebrews. In fact, I always found it very interesting. Bobby McFerrin's father actually sang the pieces that would reflect the words that God is saying. Bobby McFerrin's father said, no discipline is pleasant at the time but painful. No discipline is pleasant at the time but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. When God realizes that our soil is getting hard, that our hearts are getting hard, that the weeds are growing up, that that things are creeping in that are affecting our spiritual life and affecting our discipleship, he finds ways to get our attention. Like a, a loving parent, he finds ways to get our attention. Now, those of you who've been parents, you know what it means to discipline your children. Have you ever said to your children, this hurts me more than it hurts you? I will have to say that was something that I heard my parents say to me, and I never believed them because I was the one on the receiving end of the spanking or something like that, and it just didn't seem like it was affecting them more than it affected me. But then I became a parent, and I realized what they meant. It hurt me more than it hurt my children to be able to take away the electronics that they enjoyed so much. It hurt me because I knew they were going to be miserable. At the same time, I understood that in their miserable state, we might be able to draw a connection between behavior and choices and unpleasant, unproductive outcomes so that they would learn what worked well and they would learn what they needed to stay away from. We discipline our children. God disciplines us. If you'll remember, my first sermon, I talked about my call story. God called me to ministry, and I found a multitude of ways over 17 years to tell him no, 
what if God had accepted my answer the first time I said no? What if he had accepted my answer the second time I said no, or maybe the third time? But he didn't. He had a plan for me, and every time I went this direction, he found a way to get my attention and bring me back. Now, I will tell you that at the time, some of that discipline didn't feel very pleasant at all, but it was useful for instruction. And I hope that you will find as we're in ministry together for the next long period of time, I hope that you will find that the discipline that God used with me in that situation now produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. When we find ourselves failing, God will discipline us, and we get to set our minds on how we receive that discipline. We get to set our minds on whether we will acknowledge that we are the ones in the wrong and that God is the one who knows what's right, and we will abide by his will, or we get to act like my children used to act sometimes when they didn't like the discipline that I was imposing on them. We get to set our minds on our response to God and the way we respond to him when he is trying to discipline us, when he is trying to bring us back to where we need to be, the way we respond to that decides how we move forward in our faith journey for the next little bit. It decides whether we draw closer to God or whether we move farther away from him. Do you want to produce a harvest? Do you want to produce enough seeds of faith that you have plenty to share, a 30-fold, a 60-fold, a 100-fold harvest? If so, you need to be a faithful disciple. You need to prepare the soil of your heart so that when others share seeds of truth with you, those seeds can grow up and your discipleship can be stronger. Your discipleship can be enhanced. You do that by setting your mind on the things of God. And when you discover that you've strayed from the path that God would have you walk, you listen to him as he brings discipline to bring you back. That process will lead to a harvest of righteousness and peace and one that we would all be pleased over, one that God himself would be pleased over. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.